0: Remember that as we've been talking so far, if I can remind you, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says these amazing words. He says that as he begins to talk to us about the end times and how do we identify the end times. Now, that does not mean that the end times are one day or one week or one year. They could be a decade, they could be 100 years, they could be 1,000 years. But uh, he says in Matthew chapter 24, he says, this gospel of the kingdom, which gospel? The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto every nation, and then the end will come. And so there is something very specific and timely about the revelation of the gospel of the kingdom. And then we talked about in the beginning, if you look in Matthew, in Luke chapter eight, actually, I'm gonna go there myself. I got it on my little notes here. Uh, it says, now it came to pass afterwards that he went through every city, Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And now that word glad tidings there is the word uangalizo which is everywhere else in the Bible translated as the word good news. E-U is the word for good, and uh, "angalizo" is the word for message, and so... Uh, that is always translated as gospel. And so I think in the, 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 where the, some of the confusion has come in in what is the gospel of the kingdom is that in Matthew chapter 24 refers to this thing called the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 goes around preaching and teaching. Everywhere he went, preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, but really we got confused as to what the gospel of the kingdom actually is. Well, here in Luke chapter 8, It says specifically that Jesus at this moment was preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom or in this, the better way to say it is preaching and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. And then he goes on to talk about a couple of different people. If you're there in Luke chapter eight, you're just gonna lick your finger like that so that you're speedy through through uh, through your Bibles as you stay with me. And so he begins to talk then in Luke chapter eight He says, Jesus went about preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, Magdalene, of whom had come out seven demons. And so what he's talking about there is the demonstrating part, that Jesus was not just going around talking about the kingdom of God, but he was telling people how the kingdom of God worked, and then here he was uh, is outlining that here's somebody right in the audience who has experienced the power of the kingdom of God. And so, just as a note for 2017, it says here, and then, and Joanna, the wife of Chuza, uh, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him of their substance. And so, you see that one of the things that I believe is about to happen. Uh, is that people of great substance are going to be connecting back into the kingdom of God. It is an evidence of the work of the kingdom. Just like you had Mary Magdalene, there's evidence because she was delivered of demons. And then there is people who were delivered from, uh, from affirmities. Uh, That's evidence of the kingdom of God. And then there is this next piece that Jesus refers to here where people of great substance now begin to connect in with the work that Jesus is doing in the earth. And so there's a pattern there for what I believe we are about to experience as the gospel of the kingdom begins to be released and begins to transform lives. And so then it goes on and Jesus begins to outline what the gospel of the kingdom is. And so, and then, um, will I do this? Yeah, so then I remember as well that um, it refers to in the three references to the gospel of the kingdom is Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter 13, and Luke chapter eight. And so if the ushers, if you can, what I've done is I've prepared a couple of pages for you where I've got each one of those scriptures beside each other so that you can see the comparison. There's very subtle but important differences between the different accounts, probably because Jesus was teaching them at different times. Remember in Matthew chapter four, it says that Jesus went everywhere in all the villages and towns, preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so you can see slight differences in the different gospel writers, but that's because they could be talking about Jesus, referring to it at different times. And there's extra light that comes from it when we can sort of look at them side by each and really begin to understand some of the things that are going to be necessary as we, begin, as we go forward with this revelation, uh, into, not only for our own lives, but as the kingdom begins to advance forward. And so take a look on page two there, uh, what will be page two. In the left-hand column there, you will see that underneath the the purpose of the parables, now that's Mark chapter four, and in verse 10 it says, but he was alone, Those when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable, and he said unto them, to you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And so there's a mystery about the way the kingdom of God operates. What he was talking about was the the mystery or that there is a a secret to the way the kingdom of God actually operates. And what he's referring to, Jesus talking about it in reference to the parable of the sower, which is the gospel of the kingdom. When he's talking about it, he's saying that inside of this children's story, there is locked a secret. And that secret is the secret for unlocking the kingdom of God, or the mystery, uh, unlocking the mystery of the kingdom of God. And then if you take a look just over one column there, now that's the column that is Matthew chapter 13, and in verse 11 there, he said, and Jesus now speaking, and Jesus answered and said unto them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries, now that word is plural, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so, if you remember in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, there it says that Jesus, the, the, the disciples had come to Jesus and they said to him, Jesus, like, what's up with you talking in parables all the time? Nobody understands you. And Jesus said to them, If you do not understand this parable, how then will you understand any of the parables? Right. And so we recognize that when Jesus was speaking in parables, he was speaking in parables so that we could really understand the depth of what he was trying to tell us. And so the way way Jesus is referring to it here is that there is one secret in the kingdom that is going to then unlock all the other secrets of the kingdom. But if you don't first understand this mystery then all the other mysteries will remain hidden from you. And so this is the great season that we are each in right now as God is releasing the mystery that is going to then unlock all the power of the rest of the kingdom of God. Power that we have always known was there, but we could never understand how it operates. I remember when, I think I've told you this story before, it's kind of off way off the physics side of things but bear with me so that you can see the importance of it there there was a time when human beings didn't understand that there wasn't atmosphere you know that basically this thing that we know that there's air all around us and if we go up to the moon there is no air Mm -hmm. that's not how people understood it to be Right. right like my fish in the pond in my backyard they think that I am in water too They don't know that the atmosphere out here is different than the atmosphere they're in. They think it's all like that. That's how human beings used to be. And then we started, it was back in Socrates and Plato's time, when they started to understand that air was something. But they kind of thought that it was everywhere. So when they would look up at the sun, they would understand completely how the sun operates. The sun is like a campfire. And it's burning, just like the wood in a campfire would burn. So they were totally cool with that. I get it. Then we started to find out, because of Newton and his work with gravity, that in fact, there wasn't atmosphere, that the atmosphere is only a couple of miles here on Earth. Is there oxygen? If you go a couple of miles up in the air, you run out of oxygen. And then there was a conundrum that was created when they realized that the sun doesn't have oxygen. It doesn't burn like a campfire. This was the B inside the bonnet of the people of people like Einstein who understood there was a different concept. There had to be a different concept because there was no oxygen up at the sun in order for the sun to burn oxygen and make like a campfire. He didn't know what it was. They didn't know how it worked. But they knew there was a power source, a fire source, if you want to say it like that, that they did not understand. But when they did get to understand it, it completely and radically will change. The the future of all mankind is going to be changed by this, it has already been, but even more radically as we move forward. And that simply is because the understanding of nuclear power and how nuclear power works, that's how the sun burns, we have now been able to harness even a small piece of that. This is exactly what's going, what God is trying to do as he releases the secret. Everybody knows that the scripture is full of power. We've this, we saw it in Jesus' life. Heck, if there's, there's really no debating whether you can walk on water. That's not impossible anymore. I think there was a guy that did it one time. And so you know it's not impossible. The question is, how did he do it? So you know, it was impossible for somebody to be raised from the dead. Well, you can't really say that anymore because remember Lazarus—he did that already. So we don't know how he did it necessarily, but we know it's not. No, we know it can be done. I think this was the crazy thing that happened in the beginning of the Book of Acts when the kingdom of God expanded so radically because Jesus went about not just preaching and teaching, but demonstrating the power of that which he was teaching and preaching. And so when we understand now the gospel of the kingdom as we're gonna lay it out in its simple format, inside of this simple format is the, the power released to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do. It may not be walking on water, it may not be raising the dead, But whatever it is that you are being called to do, whatever is between you and your destiny that needs to be overcome, this is the power now to overcome it. And so Jesus, when he was releasing this, he took, you know, if you can allow me, this is again going to sound blasphemous. Does anybody know the name of the most important book on the planet? Okay, the Bible. Is anybody in here debating that? I know that that Horton here is a who is right up there, but the Bible is the most important book that has ever existed. Of the Bible, which are the most important words in the Bible? The red letters. Why are they the most important words? Does that mean the rest of the book is not important? No, it just means that what Jesus said, because we are Christians, we're not Mosesians or Paulians or Davidians, we are Jesusians. And so because of that, we have said that now Jesus is the character, the primary character of the entire Bible. All the Old Testament led up to him. All the New Testament led from him. He is the central character of all the scriptures. And so I'm going to say to you today, the most important thing that Jesus said, ready? Is Mark chapter four, Luke chapter eight, and Matthew chapter 13. And so this all goes like this and gives us a starting point. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said, if you don't understand this, how then will you understand anything else? And this mystery is going to then have the power to unlock all the other mysteries. And so the Bible then can find its point. You're sitting at the very apex of the, what I believe is the reformation of the kingdom of God on earth, Because the power of the kingdom is about to be released by the gospel of the kingdom. What the words that Jesus said are coming into that new season of of revelation in the earth. Even I'm believing, you know, what I sense in my heart is even as we've spoken of this as a congregation before, everything needs to be seed and it needs to be allowed to die. And then out of the death of that thing comes resurrected. The, the new season and the, the flourishing and the harvest on seasons in the past where we've talked about similar things. And so every time God releases us to be able to go through a cycle of learning these things, the power of it increases exponentially, just like seed time and a harvest. Do you see that? And so even as I believe, understanding of faith, I think I said this last time, that we had a season where faith became the big thing in the earth, like you know, the Kenneth Hagin and the faith movement. And the faith movement has kind of come into a place now where only the most devoted uh, are there still. But you're going to see the harvest season of that. You've seen it in every move. You know, even the, you know, if you look back 100 years where there was the healing evangelists that were going on, A.A. Allen and this group of them, Smith Wigglesworth and all those guys, and then that stuff died away And then out of it came Oral Roberts and all of that ministry, which was literally went across the world. And, you know, the the number of healings multiplied a thousandfold. Well, that's the seed time and the harvest time of a revelation. So we're about to do this. Now we're, uh, and and it happens over and over again as it goes through its cycles of impacting more and more and more people. And so anyway, so here we are. Um, Okay, so... What I'd like to do is let's try and find ourselves, shockingly, on this cycle that we've been talking about because this, this cycle is the, um, the universal principle. It, you can take every single thing that is has gone through this cycle and if we can understand, this principle then goes all the way back, the gospel of the kingdom goes all the way back to the universal principle, seed time and harvest, as we've spoken of, that is this principle that even God is governed by in that sense, because it is God. It, the principle then flows through all of his creation. And it looks just like this, and it's each one of us, the more we can understand that this cycle applies to everything. Every revelation that you have applies to this cycle. Your destiny is in this cycle, your life is in this cycle. The, 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 you know, the legacy of your entire family for the next 50 generations looks just like this. Everything looks like this. And when we can understand the principle now, we can understand where are we on that curve. Once we know where we are, we can get anywhere. If we don't know where we are, you can't really get anywhere. That's what's important. And every person then can find out, okay, on this particular revelation of healing or revelation of, of finances or revelation of destiny or revelation of walking on water or whatever it would be you're wanting, just find your. where are you on this chart and then go from there. And you can, in every area of your life, you can move through that chart in a very purposeful way. If we can learn to do that, we have the power with our lives to fulfill the destiny that God is calling us to. So let's read. Turn back to page one. Pretty much all of the gospels, as Mark and Matthew and Luke, all give the, uh, the parable form of the parable of the sower, they all pretty much do it identically. Sometimes in the translation of it, they add a few things or subtract a few things. So let's just read it so that we've heard it in the parable form. Remember when Jesus was speaking, he would be speaking to a large audience of sometimes 20,000 people, and he would be teaching them this, and then he would stop. So he would say this much. He said, "'Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside.'" And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it was, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seeds fell on the good ground and yielded a, croc, a crop that sprung up and increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And Jesus would stop there and he would walk off stage and that was his preaching and teaching for the day. And then most of the people would go home or have lunch or whatever they would do. And then there was other people that would come in and they would ask Jesus, what is it that you just said? Because I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Everywhere you go, you teach the same silly little story, and I haven't got a clue. We all know where tomatoes come from. But what Jesus was talking about here was the, this universal principle. Then he begins to talk a little bit as they argue back and forth about why doesn't Jesus just use a chart like this and a whiteboard and make it real plain for everybody. And Jesus said that uncharacteristic to, our, to our, who we think Jesus is, he said that, uh, that to you that are within, the people that come inside and listen and ask me questions about what I said, the real seekers, to you it is given to know the mystery. But to them that just came for a cool thing to do in the afternoon and they weren't really seeking, to them it's not given to understand, which kind of seems off. But a lot of times God wants it that way, that really he only wants to sew his pearls to people who love to wear pearls. He doesn't want to sew his pearls to the other people. And that seems like God is being mean, but it's not that he's being mean, it's that we select ourselves to be ready to hear the things that God is saying, right? Remember, to him who has will more be given, even him that, 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 to him that has not, even that which he has will be taken from him. We select ourselves. When God delivers us a small bit to wet our whistle, do we crave after more? Or do we just go, oh, that's just a pearl, and we, mar- we march off to see who's got the best pizza, and we don't pay any attention to the pearl? Well, that what happens is, is that then, when it comes time to hear something else, we're not ready to hear it. We don't get it. And that's what he'll, he's really showing us here in the, just the nature of the way humans go through the receiving of the word of God, the implantation of the word of God, the nurturing of the word of God, and then the harvesting of the word of God. There's a specific process that we go through as human beings, and this is what Jesus is revealing. Before we understood souls and brains and intellect and all of these kind of things, Jesus was showing us how we actually work on the inside as human beings. Mark 4, he begins to explain, and the sower sows the word in verse 14, and Jesus is now explaining that he's not talking about tomato seeds, He's not talking about corn or wheat. He's talking about the sowing of the word of God and how the word of God has the power to get into the heart of a human being. And he says in order for that to happen, the word of God is going to go through several stages. And this is what he outlines now. It says the sower sows the word and these are they. These are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown and when they hear it Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And Matthew, if you look over right to the next column there, it gives a little bit more light when Jesus says in verse 19, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes immediately and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So we recognize then that the first level, let's say, kind of the people that aren't even on this chart, there's kind of five levels that we're gonna go through. One, those that don't understand it. Then two, those who understand. Then three, those who persevere. Then four, those who focus. And then five, those who harvest. And so, the first thing Jesus is talking to us about is that when the Word of God is sown into our hearts, we're kind of along here, and we're just going along, misery, 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 misery. And then the Word that is the deliverance to that, changing our, moving our, would have the power then to move us from a place of misery to a place of blessing, to get us onto that chart. That people hear the Word, but most people, don't understand it. A vast majority of people are not going to understand what it is that you're trying to say. It's like when I first try to explain to people how you get more money. people think that the way to get more money is can all you get, get all you can and sit on, the can. sit on the can. And you tell them, well, the way to do it is to give away more and more and more of your money and then you'll get more. And you can kind of tell they go, mm-hmm. you're a preacher, right? They don't get it. And so the word comes to them, but it often takes a long time before the word has the power to even get to this point here, which is the point where you understand it. This is the, the parenthetical light bulb experience right here. Now, the light bulb experience isn't really anything yet, but it's at least the first point where I actually get it. I see that. In order that most people that... When I first meet them, you know, they want more friends, and so what do they want to do? They want to yell at all the people who aren't treating them as though they're good friends. I said, that's not really gonna work. You try it if you like, but it's not gonna work. What you need to do is you need to be more friendly, and then you will have more friends. And so uh, they'd reject it and they reject it, reject it, and they go on and on and on and on, and then they may come to the place, maybe, where they go, Oh, I get it, I understand. If I keep slapping people in the face that they're not doing a good enough job serving me. They're not gonna wanna hang around me. And they have this light bulb moment when that happens. That doesn't mean they change. That just means that they've realized that there's a different mechanism at work. Most people, uh, and if you look at Jesus' numbers here where he's got 20,000 people in the audience that he's talking to, and then there's 12 who come and talk to him about what the parable means. So the the numbers are staggeringly uh, weighted towards the side the people who are not going to understand it, okay? When you look at Luke, Luke gives us a, 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 the key as to why that happens. And so it's something again now that when the word of God is coming to me personally or when I'm trying to release the word that I've received and give it as a gift to somebody else, the, 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 the thing that you have to focus in, and, and he refers to it, um, in, I think it's Luke, let me just find it here. It's on page one. When Jesus is outlining the parable in parable form, if you look in on the first page there, on the third column, under the where it says, Parable of the Sower, listen now to the difference in this as Jesus, as Jesus' account is related. When a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Now, and it was trampled down. Is not referring to the seed there. It's referring to the path. The path had been trampled down. And that's what's important. When the word of God now in this season, why is it that the birds can come, or the way Jesus explained it, the devil can come immediately from them that understandeth it not, is the revelation in this word trampled down. That word is a word that is kataputeo. How'd they do? Kataputeo is a word that says to be for something to be stamped down, but the metaphor of it is is for somebody to be abused and insulted. That's the metaphor, so if I were to catapoteo you, then I would beat you down by insulting you and making fun of you and all of these type of things and trampling down your heart. When the word of God comes to people, what, what, what stops them from being able to receive the word of God is the fact that their hearts have already been trampled down now the word comes to them and they're just beaten down so badly that they don't want to accept the word of God. So they've had, as we've seen it's over and over and over again in our understanding of the way the kingdom works, if we first don't deal with the fact that I have a trampled down heart, where Jesus would say in, in several script, parts of scripture, if you don't come as a child, if you're not really ready, if the humility is not already there, where you're saying, you know, I get the fact that I've, whatever, not understood these things properly, and because I didn't understand them right, I've been beating up all my friends, people who wanted to be friends with me, I've been beating them up all this time, and now I have no friends, and so I hate people, and I'm Grinch, you know, I hate people because I have no friends, and on and on, and on. then I have to realize, wait a minute, it's not them. I have to have the, the position of humility in my own heart where I realize the only reason I'm not accepting this uh, word of the Lord to me that says, if you want more friends, be more friendly. I'm, I don't want to receive that. Do you see how that works? Right, If I've gone through poverty and lack and shortage and all these things for years and years and years and years and then somebody comes and says the world is full of abundance and there is no shortage and lack and my trampled down heart rejects that concept. You have no idea what I've seen. You have no idea where I've been. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. And so the understanding, come, the word of the Lord comes to us and I reject it. Not because I'm a bad person. I reject it because... The, the injury and the woundings and the pain and the interruptions and the insults and the trampling down that happens has hardened my ability to receive the seed. Very good. Does that make sense? Yes. So what we have to do, even as we come and begin to, to allow the Lord to talk to us, we have to first set ourselves in a position of humility. Then Lord, whatever it is that you want to say, Right? Like I have people in my life, I had lunch with Dr. Pertula today and I'm telling him, you know, this is my life and this is how it works and all of these things. So I'm listening to him to be able to share with you. Okay, well, go ahead. I don't have to stand there and say, you know, I'm the tough guy. You know, I'm the, I'm the big boss of the, the whole thing. It's not going to help you. You have to go with a heart of humility to be able to say, okay, what, what, what do you got to say? What should I do? How should I go? Right, and I had the leaders together here the other day say, you know, whatever you do right now, write down the vision for 2017. You know, and I'm the teacher at that point, and I sit down with Dr. Praetula, and I talk to him, and he says, "You hey, know what you gotta do, you gotta write down the vision for 2017, and oh yeah, I need to do what I told other people to do. Right. <laughs> and so you have to come in that place of humility, right? You have to allow, I don't understand why writing something down makes it twice more likely to get it done. Does it make sense? Does it make sense to any of you? No, just do it, because it actually does work. And so, see how we would reject it? I don't have time to do that. I'm I'm a busy guy. Mm -hmm. I would want to reject that instead of embracing it with humility and saying, okay, I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm, Step number one that we have to be weary of is that the word of God comes to us and it metaphorically goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. And that happens... I'm not gonna say nine times out of 10, but I think unless you understand that it's happening, the information of God is coming to you so quickly that if you're not really paying attention to what God is trying to say, it just goes right by you, especially in our culture. If it takes me more than 144 characters in order to say something, most of you have already flipped the screen further than listening to me, which is fine, It just realized that our culture is dummying us down in our ability to focus on somebody talking because everything lives by the speed of our thumb as we scroll by. And we have to be okay with that. I'm not criticizing that, but we just have to be really smart. I get the fact that you can go to the store and eat O'Henry's for the rest of your natural life. You should not do that. Even though you can scroll the rest of your life away, you should not do that you need to keep that under control, just like you need to control those commodities of ice cream that you consume every day. Ooh, I know, la below the belt. It's Christmas time, I take that back. So, okay, so Jesus is then talking to us here and he says that there is a, a requirement on us to understand and be focusing on what is being said. And if you don't understand what's being said, Ask questions about it. I think that's one of the forgotten principles in the kingdom because we still live by this one person talking to hundreds of people where it's like, oh, you know, are we going to line up after service and ask Pastor Ian, you know, our 200 questions about what he said today? I'm not saying line up and talk to me about it, but you should have mentors and people in your life. Not to say that I'm not available to you, but find ways to get the answers that you need to the questions that you have. Can I... And can I give you a caveat here? Having I've been at this, not my first rodeo. So normally, what people do is they want to debate a scripture by bringing in another scripture. Uh, Try not to do that. If you're going to debate a scripture, debate the one scripture. Find out what that one really says. Because a lot of times we would relate one scripture to another, but there's there really shouldn't be related, or at least not closely related. And so when you're going to talk about a particular scripture, particularly these ones in as you read through and take the paper home with you and read through them a bunch of times, that you just focus on this as by itself. Sometimes what we do is we'll take this scripture and we'll equate it to something that Paul said 50 years later. Although that's fine, but they don't sit on the same plane, if you wanna say it like that. I, I, I'm not trying to be blasphemous, but when Jesus was here, the New Testament church was ignited before the book of Ephesians was written. You didn't need the book of Ephesians to see the ignition of the kingdom of God. That happened at the, book of the, at the beginning of the book of Acts. when all we, ha- we didn't even have the gospels. We only had the, the verbal work of the apostles at that time as they were recounting to people the things that they had seen in Jesus' life. And so we're able then to focus and make sure that the cornerstone, the foundational teachings that Jesus says, if you build your house upon the what? The rock. Now that's not, I believe in Jesus, he says it, on these teachings of mine. So Jesus saying, if you want your house to be built on a rock rather than sand, you have to build your life on these teachings of mine, Jesus saying. And so then... We focus now to get the specifics of this. Do you understand the ramifications of what it means for your life to be transformed in the things that you believe? We'll certainly get to the stuff that comes later in the New Testament. It's all very valuable stuff. But it's, we can lose the meaning of it when we first don't understand this. So then, he's, then Jesus said, now, then there's the next group of people who did understand it. And so this point of understanding is this line right here where you begin your life on the curve or where the, soul, the word of God has actually received into your heart. Now, that's, sometimes it's a very difficult thing to understand that it actually happened. The best way for me to see it in the, thing, in, in the way of understanding is can you form a picture of it in your mind? Does it make sense to you? It used to make sense, you know, everybody knows that it's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, but most people don't believe that. Most people believe that it is more blessed to receive than it is to give. But can you understand? That's okay. Everybody starts there. We're humans. But is there ever a point in your life when you have experienced the amazing sense of being a giver? and how that really transforms us in our human experience. It's so much more valuable to us. Receiving happens in a moment. Giving lasts for months and years and decades sometimes. And so we're able to understand that concept and at least get it. We might not even do anything with it, Mm -hmm. but at least we got it. We said, oh, I understand what they're trying to talk about here. There is so much value in being a giver rather than a receiver. Not that it's bad with receiving. He didn't say don't receive. He said it's better to give. He didn't say it was bad to receive. And so this point of understanding then is a key position that we have to be to step into or else the seed is just bounced off of us. I think that's what's important. And so much of what happens in the New Testament today is the word of God is released and people remember the jokes. They don't remember the point. It's just the way we do things. It's the way our culture operates. And so anyway, so then, that's, that, then the next one is, and some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprung up because it had no depth of earth. And so what happens with this next one then is that, uh, is Jesus, actually, let me le- read the translation of it, where, I'm sorry, I read the wrong section. Um, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. So this is the word of God that comes into a heart that is stony. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, very important, immediately they stumble. So this next level, this is why this, this the curve, unfortunately, goes down first. This section right here is where, the, where you go from understanding and you are persevering through this season right here up until that point. When what I'm doing is persevering through the trials that are being created in my life. Can I tell you the the worst? I never experienced difficulty unless I knew that it was supposed to be different. Oftentimes you see this if you go to the nations and you're actually causing them to stumble because they realize that their life really isn't that great. If you left them alone, they wouldn't think their life wasn't great. They would think it was great. A lot of times what we have is when the word of God comes to us and I'm supposed to be at a different level. Or the promise of God means I should be here, but I'm only here. I'm still I know I should be healed, but I'm still experiencing pain. The pain almost magnifies because I know I'm not supposed to be like this. There's like a difficulty. And there's a pressure that begins to form, as we'll understand next week. A pressure begins to form on the inside of us because human beings are not designed to change. We are designed to remain the same. Train up a child in the way that he will go, and in the end, he will not depart from it. We have a mechanism on the inside that wants to return us to the belief system that we started out with. A lot of the, all of these pressures, persecution, tribulation, affliction, temptation—some of the scripture says—all those negative forces are all trying to get us to release the word of God and go back to the belief system that we had before. That's why a lot of times, you know, you'll come to church and you know we're believing for healing, and we have a big healing line. And then Monday morning you wake up, you've never been so sick. Or you've, you know, you're, you're believe in God for financial things and all of a sudden you know, the, your finances come apart like a $3 watch. That's the difficulty of this main season is that if except a seed goes into the ground and lives happily ever after, in the, is that what it says? Unless a seed goes into the ground and yes. dies. That's the difficult spot. Most people, by and large, if you, know, if you came to the kingdom, The people that survive in the kingdom are the people who are able to persevere Most of the people that live in the kingdom right now if you'll forgive me live right here or Somewhere in that zone right there They're just persevering and things aren't working. I remember this over and over in my life. You know, I started out as a Catholic And bless the Lord for the Catholics, because I didn't learn a lot about the Scripture, but I did learn two things. I learned that God is real and the Bible is true. The problem is, when you believe the Bible is true, you stick with it, even though it ain't working in your life. That's the problem, is that we can be in what I call the the most miserable of people, are the people that live here, which is where most Christians live because we live inside of knowing that it's true, but not understanding how to get it to move forward. Most people that even for all of us, the people that are hanging here at Victory, are people that are willing to persevere. Even though I'm going through hardship, I'm not gonna give up on God. But God did not intend for us to be these permanent people who live in this state of miserable and pitiful people in the middle of trials. Yes, you have to go through this section, but most of us don't put a seed in the ground so that it can just go in and die. You put the seed in the ground so that it goes into the ground and comes out the other side. And so this is what Jesus is talking about here that that the purpose of the persecution if you can identify what it's about it's not that the Word of God is not true. The persecution, affliction, temptation, tribulation is all driven towards you releasing and letting go of the word of God. How many times I said that in the early years, this doesn't work. This just doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Oh my gosh, I wish I had a dime for every time I said that. Because I didn't understand that it doesn't work at first. Right, If if I dig up my tomato seed and I look in the hole in the ground, I don't see no tomatoes. That's dumb, right? Because it's a season that we have to go through. Then once we got, then he goes on to talk about then. Uh, these, and then now verse uh, 18. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And so the next section here is the section called focus. As we focus through to this place of harvest. Now, this requires us to remain singular in the things that are going on in our mind. If the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, that just is talking about life. And I know that you would use the word lust there, but that word lust is just desire. As I, or if you, and if you look in Luke, it gives us a bit of light here. It says, now these are the ones that have fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard the word go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is a lot of the problem that we deal with in, in, in life in general in our culture is that we come here and we hear the word of God and then we go out and we look at all the other things that are going on out there and those things catch our eye and those things become desirable and those things begin to pull us Away from the the maturity and the cycle of this growth of these word seeds that are going on in our lives And so then we you know now I have this other problem I got the health problem today, and then I got a Ferrari problem tomorrow Then I got a friendship problem the next day, and then I got another health problem And then I got a and I just jump along frog after lily pad after lily pad after lily pad And I don't ever get to the place where I am bringing this fruit all the way through to maturity Does that that make sense? So most of the people now that are in the kingdom that you would describe yourself as a cutting edge, nobody serves God like I do kind of a person, that you're going after it, you're sucking it up, knife in the teeth, keep on swimming, you know, endure, 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 the reason that you're not breaking through is a focus problem. You have to just zero in, stop worrying about all the other fires that are in your life. Pick which one you really desire to get victory on and get through to the, to the maturity, at least 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. The earth bringeth forth fruit of itself or your heart starts to produce the word of God in your life. You have to get to the place where there's a strength to the seed or, it, the Bible says, it becometh unfruitful. And so the season of focus kind of starts right before this line. This is the fruit line here. It's not a lot of fruit, but it's fruit. The problem is at the line, the fruit is green. This is where a lot of Christians stop. You get a trickle. And so as soon as you get a trickle, I'll, I'll give you a financial example. We use this all the time. I'll tell them myself a little bit here. You know you go to you know there's it's easy to believe God at the beginning of the month. Does everybody know what that means? right? No bills to pay at the beginning of the month. As you get closer to the end of the month and all the bills have to get paid, now you start to get more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. And then, you know, we, as the month went on, you know, the Word of God, you're listening to your tapes and you're reading your Bible and you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing. And then, you know, you have, let's say, $1,000 worth of bills at the end of the month and God blesses you with $1,100. You know, that's only because He wants you to tithe and He's going to pay your bills and that's it. And you hate Him for that. But then once He gets the little bit of fruit, now you go back to sleep and you sleep until the 24th of the next month when you have to do the cycle all over again. You see, by this little bit of trickle fruit, the 11, the little blessing that came in, or the little miracle, or the little just enough happened, and then you quit. And you spend the next two weeks figuring out some other crisis in your life, and you never get this one focused, get it through, bring it up to a hundredfold. That hundredfold return will continue to flow. It's like an apple tree. It'll just continue making apples for you for the rest of your life. The problem is we all stop in here, and we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, never really experiencing anything more than just God's grace keeping us alive instead of coming into that place of real fruitfulness. And so, when you are going through and really determining that you're going to live this way, if you want to get to the place where the Word of God is out here, where it's got 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold return and a constant cycling return. Just like you don't try to create misery in your life down here, you don't have to try and create blessing up here. If you're an an apple orchard, you don't go out there and start kicking the tree to make apples. It just makes apples. Right now, it makes rotten apples, but it can just as easily make rotten apples as it can make good apples. And so when you're going through that process now, that process applies to everything. And there's no debating the process. That's where we talked a couple weeks about the law of faith. This is a law. It works exactly the same way. Sometimes this cycle can last 100 years. Sometimes it can last three days. But the cycle is the cycle. So I doesn't, Now, you can speed the cycle up, and you can slow the cycle down. You can increase the magnitude and you can decrease the magnitude. You can believe for a big thing or believe for a small thing. doesn't matter. But the cycle of coming through to believing is exactly the same thing. Okay? So when you're picking your stuff, as we go into now, we're going to take the weekend off, as you all know, with Christmas and all that. But when we come back next week, we're going to talk about how do you practically move through this cycle? What are the things that you're dealing with at each level? Because if we can discover what does this feel like, you can start identifying in your life, if you're believing for financial things and you're just lived in here now for 27 years, it can, it'll, you can sit there for the rest of your life. It's just like a farmer who just keeps plowing the ground and can't figure out why his apple trees won't come up and he just keeps plowing the ground. You can't keep plowing the, the, the little seeds up. You've got to get yourself through to the place where you understand, like a farmer, how does this cycle work? And then next week, what we're going to talk about is how do you move through it? How do you go from this section to this section to this section? Pick something as we're going to go into the year of harvest. As we understand, all I got to do is pick the biggest thing that is going on in your life right now. Try to pick one that doesn't involve another person. Just deal with something. That's why financial things are so easy. It's just you against money. Money's not alive. It's just either it's going to come towards you or move away from you. And whether it does or doesn't is determined by this scale. And so you can start to create a flow and learn how the cycle works. Once you've experienced the cycle once or or twice, you begin to get get confidence in the way the cycle works. You might have been in grade five, and you said, that's not where tomatoes come from. Tomatoes come from the store. And then your biology science teacher taught you, no, they come from these little tiny seeds. And you go, "Ah, really? And then you put it in the Petri dish, and you grew the tomato seed. And sure enough, six weeks later, there was a tomato. And you experience, what does that do? That turned your understanding. Tomatoes don't come from the store. Tomatoes come from seeds. Exactly the same thing will happen to you if you apply this process. Don't leave out anything or be mentored as you go through it so that somebody can explain it to you. You know, as people tell me, you know, I I preach on healing on Sunday and I get sick on Monday. I say, perfect. Why do I say perfect? Because you don't go here unless you understood. So the evidence of you going into a trial means you understood it. Does that make sense and so going through the cycle actually feels a certain way so when we go through glorying in our tribulations because we're igniting the power of perseverance James says and as we begin to persevere then we will be what perfect and entire lacking nothing but you have to endure James says so he says glory in your tribulation does, does to make sense? Because you have to get in here and celebrate the perseverance part of it. You have to celebrate the trial because the trial is the process towards getting to the place of fruit. It's a necessary position. That's why I can glory in it because it means I'm moving. It means that I understood. Otherwise I just came, laughed at the jokes and went home. Nothing happened. But if something is starting to change and things in my life are starting even to go into a season where i got to grip my teeth and get through this as I hang on for dear life to the Word of God and His promises, I know stuff's changing in me. That's why I can persevere and I can glory. I can be happy and rejoice in that moment because just like a farmer rejoices when he puts that seed in the ground because he knows what's going to happen when that seed grows up. He's got a great harvest coming at him even though that seed had to go into the ground and die. So put your hand over your heart and say, Jesus, I'm learning. I know what you taught us is the most important thing. It unlocks for me the entire Bible, all the promises, all the scriptures, all the blessings, all the abundance, all the health that you have intended to be in my life from the very beginning of time. I now know. How to, those How to unlock those promises so that they can pour forth, so can pour forth. and manifest, manifest. in my life, my life so that I can be, so I can be just, just like Jesus, like Jesus. Jesus. going, about, going about, talking about, talking about, and demonstrating and the power of the, power of the kingdom for everyone to see. Everyone to see. In Jesus' name.